Curbsiders podcast is for entertainment, education, and information purposes only, and the topics discussed should not be used solely to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any diseases or conditions. Furthermore, the views and statements expressed on this podcast are solely those of the host and should not be interpreted to reflect official policy or position of any entity, aside from possibly Cash Like More Hospital and affiliate outreach programs, if indeed there are any. In fact, there are none. Pretty much, we aren't responsible if you screw up. You should always do your own homework and let us know when we're wrong. Welcome back to the Curbsiders. This is the second or third time we've done this <laughs> intro. <laughs> I'm Dr. Matthew Watto, joined by two great co-hosts who hosted this episode. The guest was Dr. Kemi Dole, and they were talking about the top five challenges faced by women of color in academic medicine. Yes, that's right. This is one of our Women in Medicine episodes, which means I must be joined by the great Doctors Leah Witt and Shreya Trivedi. And Leah, uh, welcome back. Thank you. How are you doing? It's been a long time. I, yeah, it has been a long time. A lot's happening in our lives. Um, the last time I think we published an episode was about a year ago, and Trey and I were talking about new motherhood, and I'm about to have my journey into second new motherhood, so I'm having a second baby in the fall. But I'm great, and uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here with Shreya and, and you. Well, remind the audience, what is it that we do on the Curbsiders? And then uh, Shreya can tell them a little bit specifically about what we'll be doing on this episode. Yeah, sure, Matt. So we are the Internal Medicine Podcast. We use expert interviews to bring you practice-changing knowledge and clinical pearls. In this interview, we're going to be focusing less on clinical pearls, but definitely career-changing pearls. Mm -hmm. Shreya, do you want to tell us about our guest? Oh, Shreya, I was just going to interrupt you because you're too (laughs) humble to do this yourself. So I, I think you need to plug the fact Shreya, famous podcaster from the Core I Am podcast, who's kind enough to donate her time to Curbsiders Women in Medicine series. So thank you. Welcome back. And and now tell us about the guest. Matt, you are so kind, so grateful for, for you and your, your peer mentorship. Dr. Kimmy Dole, uh, who's someone we adore. Actually, you'll probably hear us gushing over her throughout the episode. She is um, a physician, a surgeon, researcher, advocate, coach. We were talking about triple threats earlier. She's like quadruple I don't know. Is it quintuplet? Someone can correct me. What What is the, if you're five, five big deals. Let's go with it. Yeah. <laughs> she is the founder and CEO of KD Coach LLC, an ex- exclusive coaching company for women in color in academic medicine. She's coached over a hundred women who have transformed their careers and secured tens of millions of dollars in grant funding and institutional support. You can also hear her on your unapologetic career podcast, which we'll reference a ton on the episode. So today she teaches us about her career as a coach and then from her experience coaching women of color in academic medicine what the five challenges she sees that they face and how we can overcome some of these so without further ado let's get into it Hi, Kemi. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show. Let's. We want to start with some rapid-fire questions to get to know you better. This is how we start all of our episodes. So if you could, please give us a one-liner to describe yourself. Yes. Okay. So I am a nearly 40-year-old gynecologic oncologist, health equity researcher, career coach, spouse, and mom of two little kids who is deeply committed to personal growth and development. We would love to hear too about some advice or feedback that you got during your career or your training that really shaped that really shaped you, and that'll lead us into our questions about how did you become a coach? Okay, so what's some advice or feedback? Um, so this was not advice I followed, <laughs> but it really shaped me um, because it ca- it taught me like 
it taught me how bad advice can be. Like how like well-meaning mm-hmm. people can tell you just mm-hmm. the most ridiculous things. So I was once told that um, it was that it had basically been disrespectful for me to ask to be paid for what would have otherwise been like free clinical labor. Mm. And yeah, and I and I remember like the person was very well meaning. I think they were looking out for me and they genuinely believed that um that I had done something like very disrespectful and basically not being willing to work for free. Um and so it was just really meaningful to me um because it was it was a really helpful distillation of what happens to I think a lot of us all of the time. Yeah. Which is that we conflate people's interest in us and we conflate their desire to help us with their capability in doing so. And those are two totally different things. Absolutely. I feel like Shrey and I'll probably be referring back to a lot of your podcast episodes because we listen all the time. But I feel like you had a podcast episode about this, um, talking about like mentors who don't have like a stake in the game and things like that, who give in like thinking about where people are coming from with their advice. That's what that's making me think about. All right. Well, Shreya, should we move to picks of the week? Yes, yes, yes. Leah, do you want to start with your pick of the week? Yes. So I am nearly 30 weeks pregnant. So oh, I have yay. been, <laughs> thank you. I have been on a personal journey. Like I've, everybody I talk to, I've been telling them about pelvic floor PT because I found yeah. this amazing program online called, wait for it, it's called the Vagina Whisperer. But by a, <laughs> amazing. It's, it's by, it's by uh, uh, Dr. of Physical Therapy, Sarah Reardon. I, again, started following her on Instagram, just like Kemi. Um, and it's three times a week, 10 minutes. It's changed my whole life. Shreya mm. and I were both pregnant during the pandemic for the first time. This is a yes. totally different and better experience, mm-hmm. I think, because of um, pelvic floor PT. Wow, it's amazing. Um, and then my second pick of the week, I'm going to take two, is yes. um, Kemi's whole podcast. So Shreya and I text back and forth about this oh all the gosh. time. <laughs> but I went back to your one of your first episodes, the CEO scientist and worker be because mm-hmm. um, that is just like such a core principle task. And I let myself, like many people, be hijacked by the incoming email. And have to yep. remind myself, like, this is not the time for this. <laughs> we do not do this now. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Put on the CEO hat. I actually was literally just listening to that episode um, an hour ago. So wow. <laughs> near and dear. Um, it's it's really interesting kind of in that worker bee mindset. I think my pick of the week is actually just this idea. Recently, the in the last month or so, I just took time to take work vacation where I'm like, mm-hmm. let me clean up my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to have any meetings. Um, one of my mentors, Kelly, Kelly Graham, actually um, told me about this. And um, like something small that I discovered was like email templates. I probably mm-hmm. send people the same email every single year or monthly, um, or even like how many people ask me for my address or some information, my bio. And then I discovered on Google, uh, on Gmail, you have this like small tab of email templates, game changer. And I'm now I feel like, I don't know how much time it's really saving me, but I feel like a be- like a better CEO and worker bee because of that. <laughs> I love that. I bet it's definitely saving you time. Because I feel yeah. like it helps us. It helps us not. Um, anytime we have templates, it helps us not like get into like the imagination of all the things we need to do to like adjust the email or like you know like slightly yes. change it for this or that audience, which is all this like just imaginative 
you know, um, worry, right. That we have about how we're perceived. So, I mean, I get it. I recently just transitioned into having like an always up auto reply, which I never thought I would do. Um, and, but it just got to the point where like even sending the template emails was just getting completely out of hand. (laughs) And it was the same, it was the same response every time, which is like, basically various versions of no, of no, but like, it's all the same thing. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Ask me again in a couple of months, but it's, it's been up for six weeks and I like the palpable difference. Like I underestimated how much it would affect me as that mm. like electronic boundary. And it hasn't in any way changed the people that I need to reply to or want to reply yes. to sooner. Um, so yes, I, I definitely applaud every step in that direction. Yeah. Also, you just gave me an idea of like different no email templates. Like, oh I'm my like, gosh. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Shreya, yes. Oh my gosh. The no temp- multiple no templates. Like after you do the addresses, yes. now you start like the no, I can't give the talk. No, I can't do this co-writing project. Like four or five of those. Man. Here are my recommendations of other people. Yes. <laughs> Oh, uh, Kimmy, what is your what is your pick of the week? Okay, so I also have two. Um, so my first pick of the week um, is like I'm a proud member of the Beehive, so it has to be the new album by Beyonce Renaissance, which oh, is yes. an absolute masterpiece and has like warmed mm-hmm. its way into my heart and mind. Um, and then my other pick of the week is a show that I just kind of mainlined, which is the new Star Trek show, which is Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, um, mm. and it just hits the inner nerd. I love it. It's like really accessible for people who've never watched any Star Trek. I'm not like a big fan, but I like the world in general. Um, yeah, it's just great episodes, great actors. And as long as you can get over the streaming platform, which is absolutely terrible, Paramount Plus, um, the actual show is great. I love it. My husband's obsessed. So I actually might oh. take take that up on there you because I'm like I, I'm like my, I'm such a superficial. Like I'm like we'll dress up our son as Yoda and Chewbacca, and I'm like that's my yes my superficial knowledge. Yeah, that is also Star Wars. So Star I know, like, Wars, yes. yes. <laughs> oh, am I mixing up Star Wars yes. and Star Trek? Yes. Oh, which, see, see, like this is uh, no, see, unacceptable. Like unacceptable. I, t- I take no offense to that, but I'm sure like somebody somewhere just shed a tear. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I just I enjoy both ro- worlds, so it's like all good for me. <laughs> oh, heartbreak, heartbreak. Okay, <laughs> on to the main event. On that note. So typically for our episodes, we start off with a case, but you, uh, in your coaching role, you are hearing so many cases of real people going through um, their very real journey in academic medicine. And so we thought to structure this episode around some of the common cases you get to hear, and particularly around some of the challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we kind of get deep into to the, the good stuff, we just love to hear a little bit more about where you started in this journey. What got you so passionate about women of color and coaching them? And what difference did you see that you're like, I need to help this population out? Yeah. Um, I think it was kind of like two things that two things happened. There were two kind of simultaneously things happened at the same time. So one was um, that I I started my new faculty position and I had, I was giving a lot of talks. Um, and on my research, you know, you start and everybody's like, go present to these people, go present to these people. Well, that like, that kind of happened like on steroids for me. I think I gave like maybe seven or eight talks my very first year on faculty about my research. And what I realized, um, which seems maybe funny now, but I didn't actually, I didn't actually know this 
so clearly then is that I was a really good public speaker. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm good at this. And so I thought, you know, maybe I could do some like public speaking on the side. Like that would be a nice little, like, you know, like some extra pocket change and I could do that. So um, I started thinking about developing like a signature talk. Like, you know, I did what everybody did. Like I went on Google, I listened to podcasts about public speaking and they're like, you should have a signature talk. And when I figured (laughs) out what that would be, I'm like, well, I think I'll talk about like kind of career tips, right? Like people come to me a lot and they ask me for help making decisions. And I think I'm pretty, I don't know, strategic, And Mm -hmm. so I thought I could do a talk like that. And in the process of trying to write that talk, I realized I have a lot to share. I was like, oh, I have a lot to say. This is not (laughs) going to ever fit into like any kind of talk. So that was happening. And then while that was happening, as I was on faculty, it was just happening more and more of people being sent to me almost for help. Like, can you help get this person together? They just started. And so it was kind of a combination of those two things happening that I thought, you know, I'm just going to see if I can be helpful in like a more structured way as opposed to these one-off conversations, you know, like maybe, maybe I'll start a newsletter. Like maybe I'll start, I'll just (laughs) offer people some coaching services and see what happens. And then it just took off from there. We're so grateful you did. I was just going to ask how you learn to coach or is this like an innate skill that you just developed? You mentioned looking at Google, <laughs> um, YouTube yeah. videos, or did you like have a coach and then you learned how to become a coach? How did that happen? Yeah. Like um, it was like the inverse. Like I, when I first started, I was like, just, I was like, oh, I'm going to get an executive coach because I don't know. I'm like a super high achiever, like all of us, right? Like I'm like chasing the gold stars and all that. I'm like, oh, I'm going to set myself up for success. So I, um, looked for and hired an executive coach and it was like really, it was like a really poor experience. Um, and it was, it was, I realized like, you do not know this world that I'm in. Like, this is not like, these things are not applicable. This is not helpful. Um, and so I'd had that experience and then I was simultaneously like helping other people and figuring out a lot of stuff on my own. And I think it was that combination that um, that led me to say, well, let me just let me just see how I can like if I can help do this. And I can't remember how I came around to the word coach because it took me a while to even go there. I was like, oh, I think I can do peer mentorship. I think that's what I was calling it. So I'm like, what I just got here? Like, what do I know? Um, so it was kind of like that. So it was very innate, Leah. And then it wasn't until maybe two years ish into having like formal clients and coaching people you know, like all year and all of that, that I did, I went and did formal coach training and that was mostly confirmatory. Like it was really, it was one of those things where I was learning terms of what I was doing. It was, I was like, Oh, that's the thing I'm doing when I'm doing X or Y. And I was definitely some stuff I picked up on that I really appreciated. You know, I was like, Oh, that's super helpful. And so there was a few techniques. Um, but it was, I felt mostly confirmatory. So I feel like I'm a little bit of both. Yeah, a lot of innate skill that radiates when we hear you talk. Um, but we would love to start to hear about where your passion for helping women of color faculty and academic medicine came from in particular, because that's your focus. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that's who I am. So I think that that um, – I think that like when – when you're navigating through a world of whiteness, which we all are all the time, um, even as even as a woman of color, even as a black woman, if I stand up and say, I want to be a coach, I have to deliberately center myself and people like me. Otherwise, 
the the overlying culture of whiteness would just like take over. So I think part of saying it was just making it really clear, this is the perspective I'm coming from on purpose. The other thing is that um, I did have experiences as a black woman of having to filter and, um, and, you know, adjust and adapt advice that was like completely not going to be helpful for me. And I think, and it, and it goes in both ways and it, it was very environmentally driven, but I think I would t- tell you that I think I'm speaking as a black woman. I think any black woman who has gone through third year medical school and rotations and have had the experience of people saying, oh, on this rotation, you should do this or be nice to this person, or this is how you get in with this person or all those tips. And then gone in and tried to do those things and have the exact inverse experience knows what I'm talking about, where all of that is contextual. And you think like, oh, it's just because I talked about rock music in the OR, but you don't understand that it didn't have anything to do with rock music. And if I come in and I try to establish some connection over music, it actually is like the exact opposite thing that happens. And so I think that, you know, we all have had that experience and so much of medicine is so subjective. So much of it is like being in a fishbowl and constantly being judged that when I decided, okay, I, I want to help people in this way. I want to help people navigate their career. I want to help. I feel like the people who are set up to be successful the least. And that's like, those, that's black women in academic medicine. That's women of color. And I do think that that's really important for me to always keep that lens very active because I want them to have one space where they don't feel like they have to essentially translate the advice. We'd love to hear some challenges. Like you have coached, well, you should tell us how many people you've coached, but your program is super popular. Yes. I was just counting. We're like at over a hundred now, which is like blows my mind. Yes. Wow. So you have coached many, many women of color. um, And we would love to hear some common themes that have come up, um, challenges that women have faced. And we'll we'll get to solutions later, but like, what are the common themes so far? Okay. Let's talk about this. So I have to start with saying that like the, the top, like the number one through five and through 50 and through 500 challenges is structural, cultural, interpersonally mediated racism and sexism. I think I just want to make it really clear that like, a lot. I recognize that a lot of what I'm about to talk about, the challenges I'm about to talk about, arise in a system that that starts out by telling you that you are not good enough by virtue of who you are and what you look like in your background. So I never want to take that. I never want to um, talk without that context. But also, my perspective coming in as a coach and even for myself was okay. How do I strengthen myself in such a system? Like, how do I strengthen myself? in that system so that I can get what I want out of it because I get to be here too. Like that might be true, but I don't want that overarching racism and sexism to mean that like my nerd self can't take advantage of this field that I love called academic medicine. So having said that, I would say the first thing, um, I tried to distill this into five. So the first thing is um, believing, like really believing that your institution is what defines your value. So basically believing that like the, your, your level of, um, desirability, what you can do, what you bring to the table is basically dependent on the institution that you're sitting within. And that is such a problem because it basically, it means that the institution's perspective is always more important than your own. And it means that you will, um, both consciously and unconsciously give the credit and a lot of times the power to the institution um, for of your work instead of to yourself. 
Yeah. And so I think it's it's like a huge challenge because it basically changes how you're moving through your days and all the decisions you're making. So that's one. Do you want me to just keep going or do you want me to pause in between? I think you you can keep going. Yeah, keep going. I yeah, unless unless you want you just want me to consistently be like, "Oh my gosh, yes." <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like, we will hold inter- myself back. Okay. I'll in, we'll interject. I'm yeah, sure. Interject. We're interject. I don't just want to like talk at you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's the first one, right? Institution defining your value, not understanding that you have you that actually your job is to cultivate. Your job is to cultivate what your individual value is to these institutions. I think the second one is making decisions based on obligatory gratitude, which is a term that I coined for this way in which we will feel that the way that we express gratitude for having the faculty position that we have, right? For having the job that we have is that we express that through sacrifice. So like we express that through doing things that we don't want to do in order to make it clear to everybody that we're really grateful to have the position that we have. And that is a real problem because you're never not going to be grateful. Like you're not going to wake up one day and be like, oh, I have no gratitude that I got this sometimes very highly coveted position, right? Some of us know that like there are only a few academic positions in our super small fields every year, right? Like there's, there's a lot of different experiences, but on some level you, I think people choose academics very consciously, right? Like you're choosing often to make less money. Yes. Right. You're choosing often like a whole host of things that are not as convenient I'm not saying private practice is like perfect. Obviously I'm not in it, but you know, so we, I think we come with this feeling of like gratitude to be here. And then the institution is like, you definitely grateful to be here. Like you're so, (laughs) you are so lucky. We gave you this like form offer letter. We haven't changed in 15 years of like what it says. And so we have that, but then the problem is like when you're moving and you're accepting this idea that like, well, because you're grateful to be here, you have to do this thing you don't want to do. And that thing you don't want to do. And you have to give up that. That the problem is you're never going to not be grateful. So that means every day you have this unending job of sacrificing yourself on the altar of gratitude. And so why is this a challenge? Because when I coach clients and when they they come and they talk about like this decision they made or that decision they made or why they feel stuck, we get to the bottom of it. And the bottom of it is basically like, well, I don't want them to think I'm not grateful. And I'm like, we got to stop this. Like, we got to have a different way to express gratitude than sacrificing what you care about in your career and what you want for your life. So that's number two. I think both the first one and the second one, they just create so much noise. Yes. You don't have headspace to think about your potential when you're constantly thinking, my value is the institution. What is he going to think of me? I'm going to this meeting. God, what did that mean? Yep. Do do they think I, I whether it's I'm grateful enough? Do they think I'm working hard enough? All that crap. Yeah. And then one day you wake up and you're like, "Am I even reaching like half my potential?" Like, right? I, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. what am I actually? Sometimes, I mean, I I try not to ask this question too often because it's like can be a little bit pointed, but it can be a helpful question when you're in the right moment, which is, "What are you actually spending your day?" doing. Yes. Like, what are you actually doing? And does that line up with why you came here? Like, and sometimes, what a good point. Sometimes you just yeah. feel lost. You're like, right. I, I don't even know how to <laughs> answer like, that now. Exactly. I'm so deep in the weeds. You're too deep, right? You're like, well, and I mean, it's, um, I invite anybody listening to take a week is a long time. You might not make it through a week, to be honest, <laughs> Try three days. I want you to take three days and actually document 
like what you actually spent your time doing, like every hour on the hour, at least you're actually supposed to do this every 15 minutes when you do this, but it's like too intense. But if every hour, like, what did I just do? What did I spend my time doing? What did I, and then just look at those three days and ask yourself, is this the career that I wanted? Is this why I came here to spend 45 minutes trying to think about how to say no to an email? Shrey and I were just listening to your Shadow Task um, podcast. <laughs> so this is really hitting home because we okay, were texting sorry. back and forth <laughs> examples of Shadow Tasks, oh. personal and professional. Yes. So like and they life. both they both hijack your time. And then yeah. you're like, you're like, well, it's just it's just these three days. It's just this. And then I'm going to yeah, get to like, something no. better. <laughs> Next week is going to be like my time mm. to be creative and mm-hmm. like be transformative. Mm-hmm. This week, I just got to get through this. <laughs> Yes. That's one of my challenges actually, but I'll go in order. Okay. So my next one is, um, we actually touched on this very briefly earlier. So it's conflating, um, a mentor, or I would say a leader's Mm. interest and enthusiasm in you with their capability of helping you get to where you're trying to go in your career. Um, and oh man, this is a big one. And I think, I mean, again, I come with empathy because we're really trained to do this. We're trained to kind of give up all of our own internal knowledge, right? Like go to this medical school so you can get into the right residency. Like this residency will rubber stamp you as like a, a an effective XYZ clinician. Like we're really trained that way. So I get it. So it's very strange to then come into faculty and be told, oh, this person is interested in your career. They want to support you, et cetera. And then like having this very odd experience where you're not getting what you need. And and I think it helped it. I see clients get very helpless. They're like, oh my God, like my world is over. Like this person actually can't help me. And I usually tell them, I'm really great that you figured that out now because now, now is your time to step up and be the CEO of your career. Like now is the time for you to develop all of these skills that have been atrophied by our training. They've been atrophied. So it's okay that this is weird for you to think about making your own decisions. I mean, we get our jobs through a match. Like yes. it's ridiculous. <laughs> like it's like and then, a lot, like talk about abdicating decisions in your life. Like fingers crossed, I get to live in the city I want to live in as full grown adults. This is what we do. Right. And we're whole families and all that. So I'm, I come with a lot of empathy because I know it's a very scary proposition but I think the earlier we can recognize and decouple that idea, the better, because I find faculty all the time who have gone down years of paths, like years and years doing things that don't fulfill them. They don't want to do. They're not, they might not even be very good at, frankly, or sometimes they are really great at it. That's actually harder, right? But um, all because, well, my mentor or leader told me this is the way I needed to do it. And, and I think that when you when you step back and you maybe just ask the question, are they helping you create the career that you want or are they helping you create the career that they see for you or that they want for you? And being able to disentangle that is so important because, again, otherwise it's really hard for you to have clarity around your decision. So I think that's a huge challenge is learning how to disentangle those two things. Somebody can be so excited for you. They can support you so much and you can, you can use that. That can be so helpful for you. And you can also separate that out from having to follow their advice. Those are two different things. I, when we get to solutions, I 
Cannot wait to ask you how you help people figure out what they want, because I feel like I went through years like, I don't know, I just want to get into the best XYZ. Yes. I want to do a good job and get a good evaluation. I mean, yes. that, yeah, that part where we just move from A to B to C in this like regimented way removes something from my brain, at least, of like independent decision making. So that's really tough. Yeah. Okay. Number four. So you guys, you kind of mentioned this. So there's like a general and I'll do a specific. So I would say in general, it's the when then. (laughs) When this paper is over, then things will calm down. Um, When I get funded, uh, then I will be respected. Um, You know, when it's all of that, right? Like once I get through this section or once I'm through my boards, once I finish my boards, then X will get easier. Um, So in general, the when then is is not good. Um, and again, it's been bred in us because it was true for a long time. Like when you're done with intern year, things do generally improve. You know, like when you finish, like, you know, this part of your training, things like that, that was true for a while. And then it stops being true because once you become faculty, you're now in an infinite path. There's no, there's no metric, right? We, we keep looking for, okay, it's been three years. What's next? It's like, there's no next. This is where you That's are, so but we're hard. still in this when then, right? So we're still in that mindset, still thinking like it'll just magically get better because something, some external thing will happen. Even promotion. I mean, I'm having a lot more of those conversations now. People are like, okay, I'm promoted and everything is still terrible. I'm like, okay, great. Are you ready? Like, are you ready to do it differently? <laughs> like, are we, have we broken down the lie of the when yes. then? Okay. So I, that was my general, but I will say that specifically, and again, always speaking from my perspective as a black woman, I think it. I know it probably applies to everybody, but deeply believing that there is some metric that will define you being taken seriously. So it's a lot of, it's like the, well, once I get this grant, then they will have to take me seriously. Or once I'm in this leadership position, they will take me seriously. It is so, oh my gosh, it's so damaging because it's never true. It's never true. And what it'll make us do, especially as high achievers that have been like working against the grain to get where we are, is that it will make us sacrifice these critical things in our quality of life, right? That matter to us both in our career and outside of our career because we think it's temporary. And we will convince ourselves it's temporary and it's not temporary because no matter what, just the body that you live in, the voice that you have, the perspective that you have, it doesn't matter what accolade that you get. It doesn't matter what you accumulate. There will always be at least one person that will not take you seriously. There will always be at least one person that will assume that you don't belong. There's always a person out there, often many, but always at least one. And so it is... I see that as such a career, almost like it's like a long-term challenge that I want to help people work out of because when we believe that, one, we'll keep just chasing larger and larger things from, and we're fueled by the wrong thing, right? Being fueled by this idea that once we get there, we'll feel secure and we'll really be safe and protected. And it keeps us so vulnerable because it takes the smallest dude with the, with the tiniest voice (laughs) Right. With the, the yes. most like insignificant creature to, to just destroy the whole thing. And I don't want any of us walking through our careers with that kind of fragility. Mm-hmm. Right. Except that's what is, that's what's supported. I mean, that's, that's kind of like the mm-hmm. culture is that kind of mm-hmm. fragility. 
um, because it runs like academics runs on that fragility. So instead, I want people to be fueled by something so much stronger that is internal and totally independent of what Johnny over there thinks. So that's number four. Uh, that's, that's hard also when you're in an environment of such scarcity, fragility, and everyone around you is also thinking that too. And then you have all these yeah. mentors who are like, that's how I got through it. And you're like, oh, yes. crap, but I don't want to be like you. miserable like yes. you are right now. <laughs> and I, it's so hard to unlearn. Yeah. But uh, the pain, yeah, it's it's so much, it's all it's so interconnected. But the when then is so real. Yeah, I'm thinking about all the hijacked, all the hijacked nights and weekends. Like, I just got to finish this yeah. task tonight and then it'll be better. And then you're like, wait, I'm doing the same thing night after night. Why is this not better? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And if I didn't say it already, I think I think it's maybe really important to say that like I there are a few there are a few things that I can say, oh, I understood this better because I I have been coaching clients for a while and I understand this is a problem. But like 98% of what I talk about is because I have deeply felt and been in this place and in this space. And I see, and like, I think we like grow, like we grow into new levels of this, you know, like I think, so um, I never want to seem like apart from these challenges. I feel like I'm right in the middle of them and then just like relearning them over and over as I move through my career too. Okay. So the last one is, um, okay. So I think the last challenge is insidious because it presents itself as a solution. Mm. So I've said this before, but it's trying to avoid burnout by settling for less. So I think that, you know, we kind of get, you know, I think we kind of get told you get in, you've got a lot of energy. You're like, okay, I want to do all these things. I'm super excited. And like, you know, that there's that cynical People love you because you're hungry. Yeah. They love you because you're hungry and you'll do anything. And then simultaneously, there's like that cynical people who are like, oh, you know, you can't really have it. You can't do all this. Like you can't really have all of it. Like you're going to learn at some point, you know, that you're just going to have to hunker down or not do this or cut that out. And you're just going to have to settle for a career that is less than the one you wanted. Cause that's the only way you're not going to burn out. Right. Like if you really go after what you really wanted, it's impossible. And so people see that as a solution. And I, I deeply, deeply disagree with this because I think that what I see is actually the opposite. So I think that we have, we, we see people who say, well, I didn't want to burn out. So I did X, Y, Z. And I think all it is is burnout and slow motion. It's like, I, I got rid of the thing I care about, or I decided not to do X, or I gave up on this, or I resigned from this thing, even though I really loved it because I didn't have time. And then it's like three, four, 10 years later, bitter, angry, frustrated, and burned out. And I don't, yeah. I think that when you're not actually plugged into the work that you care about most, you're going to burn out. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter anymore how much you work. Like you could get down to 20 hours a week, 15 hours a week. If what you're doing, you hate, you'll burn out because there's no positive reinforcement. Like, I don't really think there's enough that we can do outside of work to um, appropriately account for work being dissatisfying among people who put so much, who sacrifice so much to get to the positions we're in. You know, so it's like the equation's never going to work out. So that was, that's like my last one. Should we go through some solutions? What do you think? Point by point? How should we do this? We want to hear some ideas. <laughs> we want to, we want to get a few coaching pearls. Sure. I think, I think just like the challenges probably sound connected, I think the solutions are too, right? I think um, ultimately, 
some in some ways, I just see that each of these challenges are just like different lenses of looking at like a, the same kind of in, internal problem. And and I kind of identify as like a paradox. Like I am, I think I am a disruptor who is also like deeply a high achieving gold star chaser. So like, I feel like if you're like, people are like, what is your perspective? I'm like, this is my perspective. Like, I think that <laughs> this whole system is messed up and we like burn the whole thing down. And also I would really like to get this and like get promoted and do this and that, right? Like, I'm like, so I get, I get both. And a lot of what I'm saying is like maybe helping people who feel the same way who say, well, I achievement matters to me. Like I, there's nothing wrong with getting a lot of satisfaction out of working hard towards something and then seeing that hard work come to fruition and say, I did that. I think that actually human, like as humans, I think we all understand that. Like if somebody's like, oh, I worked really hard and I built this house with my hands and I'm really proud of this, we would all be like, that's great. But somehow there's this weird thing where like, you, if you say the same thing, if you're like, well, I worked really hard and I don't know, maybe I got this grant or I worked really hard and I, and I published these 10 papers, people are kind of like, oh, what's wrong with you? Like, are you just like chasing something empty? And you're like, I'm like, wait a minute. What is that about? Like you get to be, you get to feel a sense of accomplishment and it's okay to want that. But the problem is, of course, that we're like super unbalanced and in academic medicine, especially like the content of what you created can start to mean a lot less than the thing itself. And that, and I think that's where we get into trouble. Then it becomes, well, I just have to publish 10 papers a year because everybody publishes 10 papers a year. And now I'm like doing work I don't even care about just to hit this metric. Anyway, I feel like I'm digressing. So going point by point. So your institution does not define your value. I think that, I will say, I think that, but I would say what it more is that I believe and I live by the fact that I think that your value as a faculty member is based on your ability to execute on your purpose of becoming that faculty member to begin with. And this is where I think that we have an incredible, we have an incredible advantage from being people who are actually outside of the norm that the system was built for. Because in some way, shape, or form, again, I'm speaking as a Black woman. I know I'm definitely speaking for women of color. At some way, shape, or form, you went against the grain to get here. And it's likely that there was something driving that against the grain. There's some piece of like the people you wanted to help or the idea that you had or whatever that was part of that fuel. And that place is where so much of your creativity comes from. That's the place where you get to say, oh, well, I'm here because I would like to change X or Y or Z. And that is where we discover what our purpose is. Like the academics, like the that's the place of it. That's the setting of it. Being a faculty member, that's the setting of it, right? But the fuel that got you here, the, that reason why people looked around and they were like, you want to do that? specialty? Like you want to go into that there, you know, that's only like, you know, 2% black women in that field. And you're like, yeah, that, whatever that reason is like, that's really what your purpose is. And so what I'm interested in is saying, okay, now that you're here, your job is to say, okay, how can I now execute on that purpose while I'm here? And your ability to do that is directly related to what your true value is. And it really, really isn't about the institution. Because if you can learn how to separate that out and say, now what's around me institutionally to do that, you can do that anywhere. And if you're aware of what you're doing, then you can also speak about how you do that anywhere. So now, yes, I did it this way at this institution. You probably would have done it a different way at another institution, but who's the constant? 
you. You're the constant, not the place. Um, so, so I think that that perspective shift shifts. It has like a ripple effect to everything else because it shifts what's in the center. Instead of the institution being in the center and you're like holding on to this rope, right? Like you know, these ropes and you're like holding on to the rope of the institution being like, don't leave me behind. You're in the center and you're looking around you going, ah, what do I have around me to build what I want to build? And now you go, hmm, I don't know. I feel like these bricks are kind of sad. <laughs> like maybe I should look <laughs> other places. Like maybe they got better bricks over there, right? So I think that that it's like a shift in perspective for the first one. So for the second one, this is like, this is basically very related, right? So once you realize that and you're like, okay, so I'm actually here to use what the institution has available in order to execute on my purpose, in order to like do the work that, you know, makes me come alive. Then you start to realize, okay, so if I'm very grateful for being given this opportunity, if I'm looking around and I'm like, wow, I'm the only woman of color in this department. If I'm looking around, I'm like, or I'm the first, you know, it's 2022. So we still haven't first, I'm the first black woman to show up here. If you're looking around and realizing that, then you start realizing, wow, I'm really grateful for that opportunity. And isn't it now so obvious that the way that I can best express my gratitude is through my performance. Now, can't you see that the best way I can express my gratitude is to make good on this purpose and this reason I came here. And that means that when you ask me to do something that is going to be in conflict, that's going to take away from the energy and the time and the space that I have to make this work happen, I have to say no for both of us <laughs> because it's not helpful <laughs> for both of us. And I think what institutions actually ultimately want I mean, I think they're set up against what they want, to be honest, but I think that what they ultimately want is to be able to look at faculty members and say, look at this amazing work Shreya did. Look at this amazing work Leah did. Look look what we have here. These people are so amazing. Look at the work that they created. And so it's, I think of it as like, I'm, I'm doing this on behalf of both of us. <laughs> and you might not understand it right now, but I promise you I'm doing this on behalf of both of us. These boundaries exist so that I can bring value to this institution. Yeah. And I, I so, I think it's so refreshing to hear you talk about reaching that like fullest potential, especially because I was talking about before, there's so much noise that accumulates. And I think it sounds like the first step is to really tap into that purpose, yeah. which I think can sometimes get lost in the equation when you're the everyday stereotype threat comes in, the everyday yeah. tasks and, no, uh, you know, kind of, um, accumulated cognitive loads come in. Do you have any tricks or not tricks, I guess, like purposeful exercises to tap back into that purpose? Because mm -hmm. it's so easy to be in the worker bee mode and, and yeah. just keep pushing. Yeah. I have a, like, there's a whole process that when people come in to coach with us, there's like a whole process we go through over like four to five weeks of doing this. So I will say like, it's a little bit more involved. But I would say that um, I think actually most of us, when we, if we get quiet and we ask ourselves some questions like, why am I here? Like, what am I really doing here? When you actually close your eyes and you're like, what would I like to build here? What would I like to create here? When we re-engage with ourselves as faculty members here to create new things, because otherwise you are in private practice. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't, and maybe people will yeah. be upset with that, but like you are, like if you're not creating anything, 
you're not creating a new way to teach people. You're not, you're not bringing your unique perspective on that. You're not creating new ideas, not science. You're not writing. You're not doing anything. Like you are like in my world, you're cutting and sewing. That's what you're doing every day. Then I don't know. I'm not sure what you're doing. Like, I'm not sure if I would call that academics anyway. Don't at me. Please don't come and yell at me. I am just (laughs) saying that I think that what we're, at least what we are sold into is that this is a place of creativity. And this is a place where we're generating new things. And I think that all of us, when we get quiet, can get to a place to understand like, okay, this is actually what I want to do. What The reason why it's hard to own that is because it can simultaneously come with the thought that that is impossible. Like that that thing that I just identified, that has that there's no world in which it is compatible with what I'm doing today. And what I would say to that is like, that's the culture speaking. That's the culture telling you, be quiet, be grateful, da, 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 da. As opposed to saying, okay, if that's the ultimate destination, what is the one step that I take tomorrow that gets me closer to that place? Just one, like just one thing. And we, you know, you start that process. And one of the things that we do and get that grant is like, we audit what you're doing against that purpose. So if this is, this is the purpose, let's just, let's just audit everything that you do. And what are the things that align with this purpose that get you closer? And what are the things that have absolutely nothing to do with it? Because that's the first filter, Shreya, right? Is like even just instead of looking at it as a lot of us filter our activities by like, who would be happy if I do this or not? Like, right? Our filter is like, how much does my chair care about this or not? Like our filter is like all these filters, but but not actually how does this align with the work that brings me joy or not? And unfortunately, I think by the time people get to that stage of being like, wait, what is, what are my values? What is, is it Mm -hmm. aligning? I think sometimes you're just so burnt out. You're just like, I just want to like, just want to breathe. Yeah. 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 And that's a sad place to be. And I think that's where I find a lot of my colleagues, friends. Yeah. 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 We're, we're basically in triage mode by that point. Right. We're just like, um, like, I don't even care what it is. Just cut it all away. Like I just need, I need space. I need to like recover myself. I think yeah. that those those times are important though because it is hard to be creative from complete exhaustion. And and sometimes like the beginning is like taking 2 weeks off and being like I like don't talk like I'm literally not giving anything to anybody. I may or may not be back. Like you know like I have to like <laughs> I've got to take some time to like be able to listen to myself. <laughs> but I guess Shreya and Leah, I have to say that like what I have seen over and over again actually is once the desire is there, once the desire that's like, I'm, I'm not doing it this way, I'm doing it a different way. Um, and there's a little bit of structure of just creating the space and some like exploratory questions. Nobody's confused. Nobody comes mm. back to is like, I just don't know. Like we know it's just too scary to face. So it's like, okay, well let's support you while you face it, but you know what you really want to do. Anyway, I feel like I can keep going. So I'll pause. No, that's, that's great. That's great. What was it? Number three was? Number three was conflating the mentors. Okay. So instead, this will, this might want, this one might be like a little bit more like very practical. So instead of going into leader, into meetings with your mentors or leaders thinking again, I think we do a really good job when we don't think that people support or care about us. We won't listen to them. Fine. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're pretty good about that. I mean, I will, I will say I didn't start out being that way. I still cared about those people, even though I could tell that they didn't want me like, cause I, I was still wanting to prove myself. Right. But like, eventually I think we get to a place where we're like, okay, we can ignore, but it's really hard when you're dealing with somebody that you feel like does have your best interests at heart and you're dealing with somebody who does support you or has supported you in some way. So instead of 
basically saying, well, in order for me to demonstrate my appreciation and my respect for this person's interest, I have to follow their advice and do what they say. Instead, you approach those meetings as informational interviews. So you're coming in. So that means, one, you're clear about what information you want. Very clear, not pseudo clear. Like, you know exactly the topic you're talking about. You know why you're talking about it. And you know, like, this is what I know. And these are my variables I'm unsure of that I am interested in their perspective on. And then you take in the information as information. And then you make decisions yourself that you can learn from. So then you decide, okay, I am going to go after this opportunity or I am not. Or, you know, it changes also like when you're in the meeting, before we get to after the meeting, it changes your curiosity because instead of just waiting to hear, do they think I should do it or not? You're so much more interested in the why, you know? So maybe one mentor is like, you should definitely go after this program. And you, and so then you're like, oh, wow, you found very sure tell me why. Like, you know, now you're like, oh, what do you see there? What am I missing? It's all curiosity based. And then you get a fuller picture of their perspective because maybe their answer is really valuable for you. Maybe they're like, okay, on the surface, this doesn't look good for you, but these are the reasons why this is, I think this is helpful. I notice A, I notice B, I notice C. And you're like, wow, that's really great. But maybe their answer is, well, I don't know, like this person is really important in that program. And I saw that they're mentees, da, 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 da. So maybe if you get it, like, then you start to hear you start to hear the reasons and what you can do with the reasons is you can then compare that to your values. You can then ask yourself, Shreya, oh, okay. Is that how I want to chase my success? Like, because I need to be in the room? Like, and then ask yourself, like, does that, is that feel good as like the way that I want to have to do it? Or that might be a viable path, but that's not my path. Like, it's not even that you're Mm -hmm. wrong. It's just that like, I don't want to get successful that that way. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> I want to do it a different right? I want to do it a different yeah. way. So that's how you can start to disentangle those things. And also it means that in the meeting, once again, you can express a lot of gratitude. Wow. Thank you. I really understand your perspective now. That's so helpful. I'm going to think about this some more. I'm going to figure it out. And then because you've been curious, if you then decide not to take the advice, you're not just saying, oh, I decided not to take your advice. You're saying, well, I understood that you were thinking A, B, C, and D, but I realized that that's just that actually is not going to work for me. Like I just don't God. operate that way. That no template is going to be so much better. La, let be me so tell crisp. you something, right? <laughs> and then I think the last thing is always to think about how do how does how does you how does your perspective on the person who really wants to support you but not might not have great advice? How does it then merge? Because I kind of think of it as just, oh, you want me to go. I'm making all these hand motions for people listening, and I do this all the time on my own podcast, so I'm sorry. But I kind of think of it as like if your two hands are going like parallel, you're like, oh, we want to go to the same destination. Don't worry. I'm just gonna do it a different way. But like you can you can still mention, right, and bring forth and remind both of you that you're both working towards the same thing for you. And at the worst, you're wrong. Like at the worst, you're like, well, I'm going to try this. I could be wrong, but I will learn from it. And you'll only, you can only learn from it when you made the decision because you understood what you were thinking about your variables and all that. So even if you're wrong, it's still valuable because you're like, oh, okay, I was wrong about this as opposed to, well, they told me to do it and it didn't work out. So what did you learn? Nothing. Mm -hmm. You're just angry, but you don't have anything to, you know, to do with it. I think the other thing about mentors is sometimes people can support you, but they want you to go somewhere else. 
And that's where the curiosity also helps. Like, oh, well, what is this going to get me? Well, what is that going to get me? And it's like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to do that. Like I had a mentor who was like, oh, you got to do this. And then you got to do this. And you got to do this because eventually you're going to have this position. And I was like, oh, I don't want that. (laughs) You know, I was like, you know, you're going to be a department chair or whatever. I was like, oh no, we need to have another conversation. Like I have no desire. (laughs) Thank you so much for believing in me. I have noticed like, this is not my path. And just that clarity changed the, the nature of the conversation. And that went back to number one, right? Because I knew that I don't need to be department chair to fulfill my purpose of what I'm doing here. And so I'm not chasing that gold star just to chase it. That's so true. This is opening my eyes because what I'm realizing is, this is obvious, if you go into a conversation with somebody like this and you don't know who you are, what you want, what your values are, then you're just literally with the wind. You're with the wind. And I think that's what happened. A lot to, I mean, to me, I'm like, sure, you think that's good for me? I'll do that. That sounds great. Yeah. Like maybe you see something in me I don't see in myself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's the trainee trainee mindset. And we've been in it one, we've been in it a really long time and it's served us. It's like, it's not black, right? Like, it's not like it was, it's not like we're all maladapted. I think we were all appropriately adapted for the training and everything that we had to go through. Cause that's exactly, I mean, I would say as, as somebody who trained in surgery, that's exactly how it was. Like you come in and you, and they're like, Oh, you're good at this. And you're like, I am. Yay. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, so we still kind of want that magical experience of like, Oh, you see this in me or you like you, this, like you have the blueprint and we have to grow up. Like that's not, it, it's a delayed kind of catch up because of the kind of environments we've been trained in, but we still have to do the catch up to realize that actually nobody knows what you really want for your career but you. And not only that, nobody is living your career but you. Like, just think about that for a second. You're the person who actually is doing this thing. So you are the one who has to be able to come in and say, okay, this is what I really want. This is where I'm really trying to go. How can you help me do this? Mm -hmm. Yep. Lots of work. That agency is so hard. I feel like there's there's just so much to unlearn from that trainee mindset mm-hmm. to yes. get to a place of having that courage to go into meetings with that curiosity, to go mm-hmm. into meetings saying, you're just going to give me some data points, but ultimately it's going to be me. Yes. You know what though, Shreya, can I just say something? You're right. It is hard. It is hard to unlearn. It triggers fight or flight. Like most people are like, you know, like your, your little Apple watch will register it as a workout. Cause your, your heart is beating like 140 beats a minute. It's like, are you no, working like, out? Like, like, I'm not working my- out. I'm freaking out. Like, right. <laughs> so like it is, it is very hard. And I want to acknowledge that like as humans, we need to belong. And we have all, again, most of us have spent over 10 years, 15, 20 years working our way into belonging. And so it feels completely insane to do something that feels like, okay, now I'm taking myself out of belonging. Like what the hell? Like why would everything is telling me not to do this? But I just want to say that it is equally hard to live a career you don't want. It is Mm. equally hard to look back and say, wow, I worked for 15 years to get here and I do not like my job. It's equally hard to say, oh, the only way I'm going to like my job is to actually give up on the dream that I actually wanted to do. Like it's equally hard to live in obligatory gratitude. It's equally hard to make decisions always based on other people's urgency. I think it's hard to come home to your kids and be like, oh, I wasn't there because I was doing this job I hate. Like that's also really hard. So I I just choose the hard that like leads to liberation. I'm like, okay, I this is also hard. I also don't like this. I tell my clients all the time, like, I don't like this. I don't like having to think about things this way and like be strategic, but I... 
I'm clear that I love it here. I'm clear that I love writing papers. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I like the research. I do like these things. I like the giving talks, all of this. So I've got to figure out a way that I can have this place be somewhere where I can thrive and that I can come home and be like, wow, I really loved what I did today. I was really, I was so happy at what we accomplished. And when things are hard at work, they're a hard that's meaningful. Like it's hard on behalf of the work. Like, oh, that was really Mm -hmm. challenging or this problem happened and I'm really angry about it. But it's a problem on behalf of real work. It's not a problem because I don't know the division director's ego is upset because of who made the call schedule. Like I don't want to waste my time on those challenges, right? So I just... That's the only thing I want to balance out because I do, it is hard, but I think both are hard. I think both ways are hard. One is hard and familiar. And so it's easy. It's a little bit easier to continuously go through that. Like if then, or what's it? When then. Uh, When then. (laughs) Yeah. Like which which clause phrase are we going with? Yes. And everybody connects on that too. Cause right. Cause then you also have a built-in community. Everybody's like, yes, I agree. It's all terrible here. Yes. This is really terrible here. Mm -hmm. You know, we all just have to do it. Like, you know, there's nothing we can do about this, et cetera, et cetera. But I just don't, I think that we could be so much better. I'm like, I don't, okay. I, I, I refuse to believe that like, that's the, that's the top is like, we're all kind of in this system complaining about this system and not doing what we came to do. And like you said, right, like not actually living out our full purpose on behalf of the patients and the communities of all those things. Like, I just don't believe that's the case. And I think part of what I want to do is like seed courage in everybody to say, you know, like we can all kind of wake up and belong to each other in this way differently. Right. I have- like that would be powerful because then then you're not alone. Yeah, because uh, you you start off your podcast with the idea of you know you want to transform people's relationship with work. Yes, and I think too often I, I think too often not I don't know if too often but you know when you get into the place where like I don't belong here it can very much be like, okay, well, I have to leave. Exactly. And I think that's what we see so often with women of color, right? Yeah. Is leaving academic medicine. and Absolutely. But the idea of transforming your relationship with this place that I know does not, be- not was, was not made for me nope. and has cultural habits that are sometimes going to hurt my health, hurt my family, hurt my mental health. It's fairly powerful. I, I'm like the first person to cheer on when like somebody like – like a black woman on Twitter is like, I left. I'm like, yes, because I just like, I want us to be free. Like, I'm like, if you, if we got, if you got to the point where you're like, there's nothing here for me left, I have to go, then definitely go. And also for people who want to be here, who leaving is settling. Like, I want you, I don't mm. want you to leave as a way to settle because, well, I just can't have what I have here, so I'll have something less. Like, I want you to leave for something more. If you're like, oh, no, this is even better over here, or maybe this was never for me, that's fine. But I agree with you that, like, if we don't adopt these differences in perspectives and honestly, you know, these courageous steps that we can do in community, then that's what happens. Then then it's burnout in slow motion, right? Like, eventually, you're just going to leave. And all of us all of us miss out. Um, And I think the other thing, again, just coming back to perspective is like, it doesn't, 
it was never going to work for me as a strategy ever to be like, oh, this thing wasn't built for me, so I can't make it here. Like, where would I be? Like, if, I, if that was my strategy, I would have never come back from failing out of school. Like, I would have never, like, so it just, there's a part of me that where I am really speaking to Black women and really speaking to women of color, like, we that can't be the litmus test because none of this stuff was made for us. <laughs> So where are you going? Like where? Like the corporate world wasn't made for you either. Like, like nonprofit, none of these worlds were made for you. So like, so once I settled a little bit deeper into that, then I'm like, okay, so which one of these worlds that were not made for me are is like most resonant with just like the intrinsic things that I love, right? Like which which of these worlds that weren't made for me is the place where despite that, I can still have like a lot of fun or I can like have challenges that are interesting to me, like all of that. And for me, that's academic medicine. And I think for a lot of us, it is. And, and that's where I want to say that's okay. Like it's okay that you found yourself here. Also, I want you to be well. Also, I want us, because if we're well, well, we, we will remake this place too, right? But we can't remake it until we're well. So true. I think that leads into your last challenge too, with like the whole, the dichotomy of like settling, Versus burnout. Oh yes, okay. choosing settling. Okay, well, the, so the I'll just say briefly the win then. So the one oh, the thing I was focused one. on. Yeah, we did. So I would say overall, like overall, what's true is that like what we we what we want is we want the result, and then we want then we want to be able to change, right? So we want we're like, well, we want the result of not having too much on my plate, and then I'll stop overworking nights and weekends. And it's like it's never going to happen that way. It's always going to happen that you're going to stop doing the thing. And you're going to be uncomfortable and you're going to disappoint people and you're going to piss people off and you're going to be terrified yourself. And then your reality will catch up and you will have the thing that you were looking for. So I think that like when it comes to this idea, like, well, once I get this metric, then I'll be taken seriously. Once I get funded, I'll be taken seriously, et cetera. It's like, you have to take yourself seriously first. So you have to recognize again, in this paradox world that you could be going after this gold star, this thing. And yet simultaneously, your, your, um, the likelihood of success of getting there is going to be based on the fact that of you being able to realize that you already deserve it. You already have it. You've already earned it. And so you are just doing the work to catch up. That is it. And that changes how you enter into conversation with people because it means that when you're clear about that and you're like, no, I deserve to be here. I take myself seriously. I'm not waiting for you to take me seriously. I take my work seriously right now. Then the way that you talk about yourself and your work will change. And all of a sudden now conversations will be valuable because people will either enter into that conversation with you and they'll be like, oh yes, you take this seriously. I take it seriously. What's next? How can I help you? How do we get there? Or they'll enter into conversations with you and they'll make it very clear as you are taking yourself very seriously. You're not doing that weird thing that we do like, well, I'm really trying to do this, but who knows? Well, maybe, I don't know. Like, <laughs> as if we didn't work 20 years sounds, to get here and like make it like this familiar. frivolous, like who knows? Like, you know, and like we're going to stop pretending, right? We're going to take ourselves seriously. And then you'll, you'll, sometimes you will have conversations where people will completely dismiss you and you have gotten very valuable information because you now understand because you came clearly that this matters to me. This is what I want to do. This is how I'm thinking about it. These are my problems. This is what's next for me. And somebody is, is meeting that with basically like, well, you don't really matter right now because you haven't gotten this or that. 
you know where you stand with that person. And then you get, no matter who that person is, no matter what other people say about them, it doesn't matter. Now you get to say, am I taking advice from this person? Is this somebody that I want to be around? Do I feel better around this person or not? So that's where I say that like, take yourself seriously first, take your work seriously. Don't, I really want people to stop to like give into the culture of this pretense that the work that you care about the most is like, doesn't matter or is frivolous or is like the bonus, you know, y'all know what I mean? How like we are right. socialized to talk about our work. Like it's like, eh, I'm just doing this little thing over here. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, you're changing. You're, yes. You're here to change. And I think the best thing about that is that you find your people like exactly yeah. what you're looking for. You find because the people who are in it like that will respond. They'll be like, oh, okay. Like, you're really serious. Let's figure this out. Like, how can we help each other? So maybe it's a peer who just really appreciates meeting another peer that's not just chasing gold stars, but cares about their work. And now you've got community. Or maybe it's not a peer, but it's somebody who's been waiting for somebody serious to show up. And who's like, oh, I will give you my time and attention because we're not going to, we're not going to have to wade through all of this, like, BS of like, oh, maybe it doesn't matter. I don't really know. You sound focused. Let me help you. So you act, it's like, this is the informed believers podcast, right? You actually find those people that you're looking for. But again, it didn't come because they found you and made you serious. It came because you took yourself seriously first. Okay. Uh, the last one is avoiding burnout by settling for less. I don't know. I feel like it's everything I just said, right? It's like, and I think Shreya, <laughs> you kind of touched on it um, when you were talking about how it's hard. It's like, it's, I think it's about choosing your hard. Um, and I, I don't know, I can never say like, oh, if you just, you know, f- do what I say and follow these things, like everything will work out. But what I will say is that I, I want to, I want to leave, if I have to leave academics, like if, if it, or if you have to leave academics, if anybody's like, you know what, this didn't work out for me. You want it to be, you want to be clear about that. You want to be like, oh yeah, like I gave this my best. Like I showed up with what I wanted to do. I like made proposals that made sense. Like I did, I gave this my best and it turned out that academics wasn't ready for my best. So I'm going somewhere else, right? So I'm going to do it. But you don't want it to be, I I kind of entered into this world, followed all their rules. No, I knew that this place was not built for me. And I, you know, went along and I realized, wow, this really sucks. And then I left. You haven't learned anything about yourself. So I say like avoid burnout by being deeply and totally committed to the process, the process of growth, the process of self-discovery, because no matter where you end up, you will win. Like you can, it's impossible to waste your time when you are connected to your purpose and you're like, I'm going to do everything I can to make this career work for me. You would, you will, it's impossible. You cannot waste your time. And I actually think it's, it is the cure to burnout because when we are really, I mean, the research says, right. You guys talk to burnout people. Like the research says when you're working hard towards something that you believe in and, and you feel like activated and you feel like you're bringing your best self, even when it doesn't work out, you have this incredible positive return of seeing your efforts, right? And having and having there be value and meaning in it. I think that is the opposite of burnout. Not like, I don't know, all that like, you know, all the things that they do, ice cream parties and like all the other weird things that they do to help us like not burn out. Zoom yoga. Petting petting dogs yeah. and things. Petting. Oh God, don't get me started on the petting dogs. <laughs> yeah, like in my institution, there was like this t- I don't know if they're still doing this. They were like these automatic events that got put on our calendars. Like 
Like, first of all, oh, that's, no. that's a trigger for me. <laughs> oh no. That's a little, little intrusive there. Like, do not put a meeting on my calendar without my permission. Yeah, so it's already a trigger. No. So like somebody had some, I don't know. I was like, who has this access? So it just appeared <laughs> on your calendar and it was called got burnout? Question mark. <laughs> I'm oh like, this is a bad, and then, you know, they were always at like 7 a.m. or like 6 p.m. Like, and you're like, oh my gosh. So anyway, no, that doesn't work either. Wow. I bet we can create such a funny episode of like, uh, just the, the, the things we've all seen with regards to, yeah, oh yeah, that would be thing. a hilarious episode. Yes. Yeah. Just like a listing, like, are, just an accounting. All just the just like to, 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 I mean, you know, it's, it's coming from people who I think are trying to be well-intentioned with limited resources, but, totally. um, but it would it would it would be just funny to to laugh at our our culture. Kimmy, this has been incredible. I almost feel like this was a therapy session for me. Um, I feel like every time I listen to you, I just I tap into that courageous Shreya that I really really hope I'm trying to. I'm I I hope I hope I'm living my fullest potential and and tapping into that purpose and. Um, and you remind me every day to take take that time out for that CEO in me and and mm-hmm. really make sure I'm that worker bee part of me. Well, wow, somebody who's listening is like, what are these terms? I know. I feel like we have to like refer them to the appropriate podcast episode. Yeah, <laughs> um, I yeah. Think it's like episode, I don't know, two or three, something like that. Two, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, we're so so grateful um, for for you for your time, your wisdom, any like take home messages, any big picture things or anything else that you want to mention um, on the episode? All of this, like everything I say, all of this is coming from like my absolutely deep and unshakable belief that you are already enough, that your institution is immeasurably lucky to have you. Like they barely know what they've got. (laughs) I mean, and I like, I am so clear about this after working with so many clients to see them be able to blossom out in all the more that they had to offer and give this space and the institution and their work when they get out of these mindsets. I just want everybody to know that like every, any thought, any belief, like anything that that is in you that like wonders, like, what am I even like, what am I even contributing? Like, maybe I don't belong here. Maybe like, I just want you to deeply know that all of that is like bullshit. And it is, it was, it is by design. It was by design, by experiences put into you for specific reasons to keep things the way they are, to keep the status quo. And I just want you to know that the most truest thing, like truly the most truest thing is that you are not only enough, you are more than enough. You have always been more than enough. And every moment where you feel that, when it might happen by accident and you're like, wow, and you have that connection back again to like what you're capable of, that's your North Star. Follow that. That's what I want to say. Oh, thank you so much, Kemi. Um, my la- our last question is: What do you want to plug? Because you have you are on so many outlets, and I am following you on all of them because I cannot be your coaching client. But it's Twitter, it's Instagram, it's yes. podcast, it's newsletter. What would what would you like to plug? Okay, what am I? Okay, so first of all, I'm on all the socials at my government name, Kemi Dole, K E M I D O L L, except for LinkedIn. I'm like there, but I don't see any of those messages. So please don't message me there. I guess I will plug that if you are a woman of color in academic medicine. 
Commissioner of Public Health, I have a career coaching program called Get That Grant, which is all touches on all of the things that we talked about here. I recognize that like this is just a little sprinkling. And one of the things I've learned is that it's very hard to transform alone. Um, and so we have an amazing community where you can transform with other people. Um, and otherwise, if you don't fit that bill, I love communicating and connecting with the larger community on all those social platforms. So thank you. This has been another episode of The Curbsiders, bringing you a little knowledge food for your brain hole. Yummy. Yeah, yummy <laughs> I think I was daydreaming. I waited. <laughs> Oops. My bad. Sorry, All right, guys. Well, get your, sh- get your show notes. Get your show notes at thecurbsiders.com and sign up for our mailing list to get our weekly show notes in your inbox. Plus, twice each month, you'll get our amazing Curbsiders Digest, recapping the latest practice-changing articles, guidelines, and news in internal medicine. We are committed to high-value practice-changing knowledge, and to do that, we need your feedback. So please subscribe, rate, and review the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or email us at askcurbsiders at gmail.com. And a special thanks to Drs. Leah Witt and Shreya Trivedi for hosting this episode and for finding such great guests for the Women in Medicine series. The Curbsiders is produced and edited by the team at Podpaste. Elizabeth Proto runs our social media, and Stuart Brigham composed our theme music. With all that, until next time, I've been Dr. Matthew Frank Watto. And I've been Dr. Shreya Trivedi. And this has been Dr. Leah Witt. Thank you and good night. <laughs>